Heavenly Father, as we um, open up every Tuesday night and just thank you for being our Lord, our Savior, our provider, one who just gets us through day by day, Lord, we pray that Lord's Prayer, our daily bread. Thank you for getting us by this day, and we pray that we'll have the next 24 hours. And I just um, pray, Lord, as we open up this new book, uh, that we will see you more clearly than we've ever seen you, that we will know you more than we've ever known you, that we will love you because of how much you love us. So I just pray for your spirit, your spirit, the spirit of Christ that lives in us. As we hear your words, you will change us. May we experience your glory. Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Um, so we got one. one chair down here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just changed the time. It's really 8 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> room's too big now. Uh, <laughs> um, so I'm going to pass out right now our Romans notebooks. And well, in fact, before I do that, let's go around and just say our names. Um, so everybody knows who everybody is. Not that we're all going to remember it. But go ahead and start, Gil. Gil. Tom. Eric. Dan. Robert. <clears throat> Daniel. Ken. David. Travis. Charlie. Rod. Dale. Brent. Andrew. Glenn. Mike. Tom. Scott. Bruce. Caleb. And Greg. Awesome. Well, it's sad to have all you guys here. And what, what's your name? <laughs> Greg, I think. <laughs> oh, you're Greg? Greg. Oh, you're Greg. I mean, I don't. Whatever you want, whatever you want, I should say whatever you want to call me, but I shouldn't advise you to do that. Um, so I'm going to hand out, as we always do, um, for those of you who haven't been to our studies before, I always hand out um, a journal for the book that we're going to go through, which um, I would invite you to put your name on it. There's pens there if you want to, so in case you lose it. Um, and so we'll be using this for Romans as we go through. Uh, and so it's yours. As I hand that out, I would love if anybody wants to share. For those of you who are here for our dinner a couple weeks ago, um, what I did do was I handed everybody um, who was there a copy. And if it, you have not gotten it and you want it, on the screw tape letter, if I see us do it. So if you haven't gotten one, I'd give you one too. And if anybody read it, um, and it was not, was not a requirement, you know, it's, it's interesting. I read the introduction to the screw tape letters by CSOs, which is a really good introduction, just not a page, where he said, where we, we have this thing about Satan, where we tend to want to go to extremes, where we just don't want to talk about Satan and the powers and the principalities on the one hand, and then on the other hand, we talk about him way too much, <laughs> right? And what the screw tape letters, I think, is sort of designed to do is see us through this attempt to give us enough to try to, through sort of your imagination, this story, to get an idea of what spiritual warfare may look like. Um, so did I'm interested in just hearing if anybody did read it um, or anything else in the last two weeks. It, it just any I, comments? I read a little bit about it. I started reading it, and I stopped. I started driving me crazy. Did it? Good. That's why. And I like I like C.S. Lewis. I read a lot of his stuff, but I didn't. It's different. I didn't. I don't know. Maybe I have. Sometimes I do that though. I'll read a book and then I 
put it away and then I'll come back. I was afraid it might fight me. Put it in the freedom. Yeah, yeah. Does that work? No. Yeah, so it's a fire. CSP. 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 Was that what John was? There's a whole bunch of strawberries and all of that. No, John was ESP. We're going to change. We are changing to a different version. Again, I always invite you guys to use um, whatever version. I mean, it's good to have multiple versions. I don't have anything about one version versus the other. CSP is one of the newer, good, solid translation. Um, I do like how they translate some different things. The ESV, the problem with the only major problem with the ESV is they have not updated anything with languages or anything for a long, long time. Um, so, anyway, we always will use different versions. I always have Tom to help us read the King James Version. Um, so, it's not really so much about the version. What does um, the C stand for? Christian Standard Bible. Um... <laughs> Thanks, sir. Thanks, sir. anybody else on the screw tape letters? Yeah. Did you read or you? I have not read it. You have not read it. Yeah. So. Sorry. 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 I did. How did I do that? I don't know if you did in there. I don't know how I got that in there. That's pretty good. Anybody else? He needs a screw tape letters. He needs a screw tape letters. Oh, yeah, you're a Romans. I have a screw tape letters. Oh, drawers. Yeah. Not much difference. Yeah. I'm Italian. I get you. Okay. Um, all right. Well, that was nice and fast. Um, so what I want to do tonight, a little bit of format, is I want to just get right in to Romans. Um, and we're going to do that right now, is looking at the first part of Romans, the sort of the opening of 1, 1 through 17, and just start getting into that. Then, Sometime, I don't know, we'll see where we're at. But then I want to transition and talk with you guys about how we're going to go through Romans. Um, because we're going to do something a little different with Romans and how we're going to go through it. So I want to go through that and talk about that a little bit. And then we'll have something else at the end that we're going to bring up. All right? Okay. So, you guys ready?
Okay. He's already um, counted them. Oh, you know? <laughs> you know exactly? No, I just threw it out there. <laughs> you can, yeah, you look in the doorway, Jason. Just. <laughs> you can sit on the stairs. Okay. <laughs> no, come in. Um, you can sit here. Jason, here. Jason, come here. Here. Come sit on the ground right here. Just sit on the ground right here. You'll be a better one. Yeah, just back. sit right here. All right, anybody else? Guess 31,000. 31,000. 33,000. 33,000. Oh, we're going in the wrong direction. Single space, right? Yeah. So Google right. just said 62 pages is 31,000 words. Right. Well, this is great, though. Oh, okay. Great. So, it's all great to me. Yeah, so let's so say 7,114 Greek words. That's it? 7,114. Oh, they're tiny pages. Yeah. So, so if we're going to guess how long it's going to take. Thousand so how long words. Do you each? remember how long it took to get through John? A year, over a year, it's over, over a year. year. Six weeks. Started. John was like twice as long. Sixty weeks. Yeah. Yeah. How, long, how many words in John? This is meaty. I don't know how many words. Well, come on, you do the math. Right I thought that was a little off. That's the punchline, man. <laughs> <laughs> Google it. No, that was. Oh, not, that you was set the whole funny. thing up, and then you did it now. There you go. All right. Starting off on the wrong foot. Seven thousand one eleven. Oh, did did you just look it up? Yeah. What did it say? Seven thousand one eleven. Seven thousand one eleven. Okay. All right. Give or take. Twenty-two, twenty-three. Come right here, Steve. Thank you, sir. I'm sure by the end of the evening I'll have lost stuff. By next week. That's what he tells me every time he sets up a breakfast. I can't tell you every time. I'm like emotionally moved to the chapel. To the <laughs> chapel? <laughs> Do we have a chapel? <laughs> That's what's too bad about having pews. We can't really do the pews. It's it's nicer up here, even if we have a chapel that has to sit on the floor. There's, there's a vibe here, I think. All right. So let's just read this whole section of um, Romans 1, 1 through 17. Paul's opening. This, and this is a different version. It is a CSB. Very good. It's a CSB version. Christian Standard Bible. Um, you doing that just, uh, you touched on this the, the other day. Is this just to mix it up, or you think it's more accurate? I probably want to answer either. I'm not going to say it's more. No translation to be is more accurate, because every translation has its issues. Um, that's why I think it's always good to use different translations. The CSB is a newer translation. Very reputable, conservative, um, and they've also corrected some things that ESV has not corrected because they've not updated anything for quite a long time. So it's just, a, you know, as I just was telling everybody, I invite everybody to use different translations. We're just going to use this list right here. All right. Who would like to be the reader from 1, 1 through 17? Um, anybody want to read 1, 1 through 17, read the whole thing? I would really like to. You would really like to? 
Yeah, it's such an honor. Then why don't you do that? You open us up, Tom. Okay. All right. And as we go through, I guess, um, this is Paul's introduction to Romans. So I just want you to see if there's anything that you notice, and particularly we'll go walk through it. But I want to just see if there's things that sort of stick out to you as we're reading through this introduction, as Paul's opening this letter. Questions or things that pop up. What, what sort of light do you go, oh, I hadn't seen that before. Whatever it may be as you read through this. Okay? Be, sort of like what we do with John. Would it be worth a little bit of time spent to talk about Paul and his little background? Well, we will as we go through, yes. So instead of, so I will say, it's a good question. Instead of just opening... And say, okay, I'm going to just spend an hour on giving a bunch of intro about Romans. In fact, what I want to do is just get into it, and then we'll start asking those questions. So what questions do you have as we get started with this? Can I ask one question? Yes. Where was he when he wrote this? Anybody know? Corinth. Corinth. Very good. He was in Corinth. And he was in prison. And so there are some good examples of what I mean. Just ask the question. Quick question. How did he become a follower of Jesus? How, how, did, how did he become a follower? He wasn't a, he wasn't a disciple. Right. So what what was his driving? What made him do this? What made him write Romans? Yeah. I mean, well, I know why he wrote Romans, but why did he... That's kind of a big, big subject. Yeah. Did, In a very short way, you should go to Acts. Go read the book of Acts. You don't have to read the whole book, but go read the section of Acts where it talks about Paul's conversion. Where he was on the road to Damascus okay, as this Pharisee Jew persecuting the Christians. Saul. He was Saul, right? Yeah. Okay. He was persecuting the Christians. He was a Jew of all Jews, as he says in Philippians 3. And so he was like the classic religious conservative Jew that said, I don't believe in this Jesus Messiah. He's fake. Um, not real. Just like another Messiah. He died. And Paul then believed he was a Messiah. As most Jews did not at that point. This is yeah. all with the meeting on the road to Damascus. So on the road to Damascus, he met Jesus personally, face to face, in his resurrected state. Remember how we talked about last in John, Jesus is resurrected. And so Paul meets him in that. And I think, I don't know if Jeff was at this week ago or something. What's interesting is um, Paul. No, because he doesn't say specifically, but Paul sort of goes off the map at that point. And so it could be that Paul actually sat down and actually spent time with Jesus. It could be a year or two. I mean, he could have been with Jesus a long time. Um, and God trained in everything to prepare, because what Jesus said to Paul was, guess what, guy, you've got a special calling. Okay, I'm sending you to convert the rest of the world. Not the Jews. Yeah, something really motivated you, for sure. Yeah. It was Jesus. Yeah. Face to face. Yeah. So, good, good question. That's All right. Good, that's a good story. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> Just one little um, note on that, too. Um, Paul, uh, Saul of Tarsus, and Tarsus is in Turkey on the southern coast by Bedoun, where the, all the big yachts are, and it's a French Riviera now. And in the recent earthquake, which killed like 100,000 Turks, Tarsus was one of the cities that was almost destroyed. And it's right on that curve between Syria and Turkey, like it does an L right there. 
and it was a trading city and very active. And you know, he grew up in the synagogue, and then he went to Jerusalem to, mm -hmm. to study. And then he was on the road to Damascus, as Greg was saying. And when, he, when the Lord appeared to him, he had a vision. I think the Tarsus thing is interesting. He's really not from Jerusalem. He's right. In fact, well, notice how he starts this out. So, okay. we'll talk more about that. So, go for it, Tom. Paul, a servant of, Jesus, of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was a descendant of David according to the flesh, and was appointed to be the powerful Son of God according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. Through him we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the Gentiles, including you, who are also called by Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, loved by God, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because the news of your faith is being reported in all the world. God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in telling the good news about his Son, that I constantly mention you, always asking in my prayers that if it is somehow in God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I want very much to see you, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Now I don't want you to be Unaware, brothers and sisters, that I often planned to come to you, but was prevented until now, in order that I might have a fruitful ministry among you, just as I have had among the rest of the Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks and barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The word of the Lord. Amen. All right, a lot here. <laughs> this is Paul's short opening. Um, so anything, just comments, you guys read through that and hear that. Do the people of Rome know who you are? Yeah, good question. I would say probably yes. Alright, so what happened was in 49 AD, Claudius expelled Jews from Rome. Okay, now not necessarily all the Jews left. But the Christian Jews at that point also left and went to wherever they went to, back to Jerusalem, whatever it may be. And then Claudius dies, and so his edict to get the Jews out of Rome sort of nullified itself. And so like around 53, 54, when a lot of these Jews started coming back in to Rome, and so Rome was predominantly, it was Gentile. And so you have all these, 
a lot of the Jews who were believers and not believers come back into Rome. And Paul writes around this time when they're coming back into Rome, where they've already been there maybe for a year or two. We don't know. We think he wrote maybe like between 53 and 55, 58, maybe at the latest of AD. Um, so that was the situation. He's writing to a predominantly Gentile church, but there were Jews there too. In fact, that's probably why we have the letter that we have, is because you have a mixture of Jews and Gentiles coming to the church. If we don't know what church it was, because we don't know, it could be very possibly multiple churches. Right. He does name a church at the end in Romans 16. He names one church, a house, which would be a home church. It would probably look like this. To be honest, that's about the size of what churches were then. So there was at least one that he names, but there could have been a few. But you, were you going to ask him? Well, it seems to me like if he was just going to write this and then use, like, for I am not ashamed, which is strong, I think it's a very strong statement, mm -hmm. basically saying, I'm, I'm not going to disgrace, I'm proclaiming Jesus Christ. And he's saying, is, does he say, first to the Jews and also <laughs> to the Greek, and you just said, Good. You, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to point at you. No. You just said that it was predominantly Gentiles. Mm -hmm. So why does he reverse it in that sentence? He's basically saying, um, yeah. he says, like, you, you know, I'm not going to disgrace Jesus Christ, but first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. But I thought you said that the church might have been more Gentiles. So, yes, it was, because all the Jews had been expelled. <clears throat> so now you picture mainly a Gentile church, and all of a sudden, Jews start to come back into Rome and start becoming part of those churches. Is it Christian Jews or just Jews? Believing Jews. Okay, so let's just go with believing Jews right now. Jews that look at Jesus as the Messiah. So messianic. We would call that messianic today. But just even picture what would happen here at Little Church. If all of a sudden a bunch of Jews, messianic Jews, we could say they believe in Jesus, start coming to our church. What do you think would happen? There would be some conflict. Why, and why would there be conflict? Uh, different Jews. Uh-huh. Don't believe in Jesus. No, they, they second coming, they, the second they, coming, second coming, sorry. Well, let's assume they believe in Jesus. They do. They believe in Jesus, okay? But they're still practicing. Right. They're still practicing Jewish culture. Exactly. Yeah. So you would want to have the Jews would want to say, we want to do a Seder. And we want to start, you know, we still practice all these Jewish things. And they want to be able to do that within the context of here. We would say we could so, learn a lot from that. So, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean. That's what we should say. <laughs> yeah. That's like, it's probably a lot to learn from. But then if I, as a Jew, start to say, well, you know, Brian, you, you know, you should really not eat foods other than kosher foods. You shouldn't eat prawns. Okay, or we're going to go out. Well, um, Mike <laughs> and I went out to lunch today to have sushi. <laughs> Probably the Jew wouldn't want to come with me. Agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, you have this. This is what 
initiates Paul, you see in here, this is what initiates Paul to write the entire letter of Romans, is because of this issue of Jew and Gentile. You see him saying, you just picked it up. You see him right there at the beginning of the letter saying that. And then you ask the question, if you're that Gentile Roman, and you just read what Paul read, you're going to probably ask what Canada I think it's asked. harsh. I think it's pretty yeah. harsh what he wrote. Yeah. But if he was here today and he said that, like in our church. Yeah. Corinth is in Greece. His ancient Corinth is in uh-huh. Greece. So Roman controlled Greece at that time. Where's Rome controlled Greece at that time. Yeah. Yes. Where is Corinth? And that means that from the time he wrote this, Romans were feeding Christians to the lions for another 260 years. Yeah. Until 313. Yeah. So it would take a lot of cojones to be a Christian at that time. Like, big time. Way more than it does now. Yeah. Like, a thousand times more than it does now. And remember, the 70 AD has not occurred yet. No, the the siege of 70 AD in Jerusalem. Right. Yeah, that's gnarly. Where Titus (laughs) renamed And destroys the entire temple. Yeah, people are eating babies and everything. 70 AD. Yeah. So if you go to if you go to Jerusalem today, and you look right, the entire it's all just completely flat. There's no the foundation is there of right. the temple, huge, right? But there's nothing else except for the dome of the rock, yeah. Uh, okay, which is Muslim, it's completely flat. And why did that happen? That happened in 70 AD. Titus, they flat. just came in and just yep. burned that entire, and it was a magnificent structure. Well, you, you do know what caused Titus to do that, right? Which is the siege. Titus closed off the city because the, the Jews weren't coming to grips with themselves who they were going to put in power. So Titus closed off all supplies into the city. And they starved to death to the point where they started eating their babies. And that's what caused that. And the Romans were so horrified that they're like, no, this is not, used to be called Judah, not Judea. Yeah. And they just went, nope, we're renaming this Palace, Palestina. That's what they named it. And that's when they flattened the temple. They said, nope, no more. We're done. Good. So, but again, what you're saying, that's yeah. very interesting, that Jews were flooding back into Rome, and were also accepting Jesus Christ. Right. So Amongst then, persecution before 70 AD. Yeah. <laughs> I can see them doing that after 70 AD. But prior, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, the church was predominantly Jewish, Except when Paul starts to go in to these places and convert the Gentiles. So, yeah. All right. Others. So what are you, questions, the things you're seeing in this <coughs> I opening have a question. here? Uh-huh. Um, he says that now at last I may succeed in coming to you. Uh-huh. Did he, did, did he was taken to Rome, wasn't he? Or wasn't, I mean, if this was from Corinth. Yeah, this was before he did actually go to Rome. Okay. Which, yeah, which you see in Acts, at the end, sort of the, the end of Acts. When he actually visits Rome, but this is primary. So he has never been to Rome at this point. I have just a thought that uh-huh. occurred to me. You know, 1,500 years later, we have Luther. But in the beginning, you know, you have such the legalistic Jewish law. I can see how Catholicism could 
kind of rooted from all of that, meaning that, you know, it's very formal. It's, I know in Romans later, he gets to the point, you know, by faith you were, you were, you're saved alone and not all the other stuff. But we have the, again, we have the benefit of, of hindsight. hindsight. But in doing all of this in the world of just legalistic stuff, Seems his job is even more difficult, but then I, you know, I can kind of tell me if I'm wrong, but I can kind of see how Catholicism is spread out, it's uh, built up pretty substantially from Jewish law. Almost, am I wrong? Here? Just, just, just not, I, not, not the same law, legalistic it's, it's stuff. The, but it's the same infrastructure. Yeah. Correct. There's probably the it's, same it's, it's mentality mafia. of the set 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 of the the Jewish church, but I yeah, and the irony is that the, 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 the rabbinical and papal structure is the same. Correct. The irony is that that is they persecuted the Jews. So the the first church, actually, not the first church, but in those times you actually have that church that has that structure starting to um, kick out Jews. Well, Constantine yeah. had to establish right. the new church, and the only way to do that was to make that the predominant religion of the land. And that was to control all the kings in Europe, quite frankly. Yeah. So the, the Roman Catholic Church was really put in place to control holy Roman lands that were up in the north. And then getting rid of the Jews, that was a whole other thing with them. And the irony, I think, what you're saying without spending too much time on that, we don't want to get to here, is you just mentioned <coughs> Martin Luther, because what's Romans? Romans right. was the That's book that Martin Luther read that converted Martin Luther, and 500 years ago, we just celebrated, everyone thinks October 31st, oh my gosh, we know October 31st is traditionally when Luther um, nailed his thesis to the to the door and started the whole Reformation, which we are the result of that. Based off today. of Romans. Yeah, based off of Romans, the word first initiated. Yeah. Um, and then John Wesley was converted because he read Luther's commentary on Romans, which, so Romans has quite a history. All right, others that were just starting, as we're starting to read through here, other things you guys are seeing, Eric? Um, for I want very much to see you, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Uh-huh. So he probably saw the church had a reputation, but it was still struggling to solidify. Mm. And he was, he was going to go there to help strengthen the path, if you will. Uh-huh. Good. Uh-huh. Greg, in verse 8, he says, um, I say, it's being reported in all the world. Yes. What do you think that means? Is that pretty awesome? I mean, wouldn't you love people to say that about Little Church, about us, <coughs> that our faith is so strong that others around the whole world know method? about this? What was the method of communication? Letters and, you know, people traveling. Letters, I mean, this is a letter. So, so obviously yeah. the Jews were reading this and they were talking right. to... I'm sure people traveling in here. That's, that's very good because you notice here that Paul's commending this Roman, the Roman churches to say, hey, the whole world down in Jerusalem, we're hearing about in Rome your faith. Yep. Wow. 
they were willing to accept it. So he probably had some sort of glorious reputation <clears throat> that a man of God. Uh-huh. For them to accept him to come to Rome. What, what made them want him to come to Rome? Well, so first of all, we have Paul who, the, the church, Jerusalem church, which is one of the main Christian church still in Jerusalem. If you read Acts, so Acts is a really good book that sort of parallels this. You see Paul's conversion, you see Paul, um, why he got the notoriety, the not, not, I guess notoriety. Notoriety that he did. Notoriety. notoriety. That he did because he's going out. I mean, he had to come back actually, and he had to work with the Jerusalem church of apostles who met Jesus when Jesus was alive. For him to be, what is Paul saying here? Notice what Paul's doing in this letter. He is, he is saying what his credentials are as to why he does, why they should listen to what he's going to say. First half of Galatians would be really good to read as well. Yeah. So you're seeing here, even if you guys look at this letter, notice what Paul does. Notice how he even opens the letter. He opens the letter, what? What does he do? He makes sure that the people know that he is... Called. Called. A servant. A servant, what else? Apostle. Apostle. All right. And what's the difference between an apostle and a disciple? This, uh, also, was the first of that goes out and that preaches the gospel. The disciple is follower of Jesus. Okay, but it, but in this, well, but in this, Paul was not a disciple. But in this context, he identifies himself as an apostle to make it clear that he's on par with the twelve. Right. 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 That's right. Very yeah. nice. And <laughs> Paul had to go down in Acts to talk about how Paul had to go down and talk to the people in the Jerusalem church independently, the apostles there, for them to hear what Paul, that Paul met the risen Christ, all right, which is very different, because they all had met the, met, met the living Christ that we read through in John's Gospel. But Paul has met the risen Christ, and he came down into, into the church of Jerusalem to get validated, in essence, well, not that he thought he needed validation, but to see that, did you really meet the risen Christ? Are you really an apostle? Do you really have this authority? Have you really been given the, the task to go out to the Gentiles? So Paul got all that from the original church that formed. Do, do we know if he ever had contact, um, contact with the eleven? Yes. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. 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 Well, he did yeah. that. He did that. Galatians. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So how, but how much he did or did not before that, I don't think we know, but he definitely did after he met Jesus. Do we know if he if, if um he waited for John to finish before he got before he talked so heavily about the gospel? He he, he does not John's gospel is not gonna be written for another thirty, forty years. Oh that's right. Yeah. That's what so he was protecting the synoptic gospels that have already been written, like in this in this letter. Some of the synoptic Gospels might not even be fully written yet. He, so. Can we just dive into this for just a second? Yes, so please. So, we, in, in Galatians, so, Greg touched on this. After he had met Jesus, right, and he was converted, and he realized who, who he was, he was blinded, so for all that. 
Then he disappeared into the desert. He, he, his story is that he went to Mount Sinai and he spent so two years or three years? I thought it was three years. Three years out. And, and, and somehow he absorbed all this information and then went out and was preaching the gospel for another couple of years. And before he came back to Jerusalem and met with the other apostles. At that point, then they kind of were like, okay, what, what do you know? And he was able to tell them what he knew. They heard his truth and were like, well, he knows everything that we know and maybe even some more stuff, right? So um, that, that was, that's the origin of that. So presumably he was taught directly. He I went out and, and, yeah. and he meditated. He spent time with, with God, effectively. And I, this might be kind of a dumb question, but about the part where he's blind by the light, was that a long period of time? Do we know? And did that we, have? Is it, was that? We do was, know. It was a short. It was a short yeah, time. Sure, that, sure. Did that have anything to do with why he converted? Yes. Oh yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Well, when he met Jesus, that's what happened. Well, I mean, shortly like, after, after he yeah. saw that he was blinded by the light, after right, and that's what. That was another another thing that caused him to really convert over, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The whole that, that whole event that whole went, event went on with that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. In fact, it, it might be. I almost read it right now, but I mean, it might be worth if you got. It might be worth David go and read um, Galatians, the beginning of Galatians. Yeah, go and read chapter like, like yeah, one and two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but really, it Absolutely. just gives you the whole story behind yeah. Paul. Yeah, but putting him in today's world, uh-huh. Paul's resume as a top purpose, hey, I'm an apostle, I'm going to spread the word, Yeah. and down underneath the facts, this is what I've done, I met Jesus. Right. And I learned from Jesus, and I'm going to tell you about that. Uh-huh. So that's a resume. Mm-hmm. It got, apparently, to Rome, and people spread the word. Yeah. I mean, you could say that Paul was a special pick, too, though, because he was very, he's, out of all the twelve, he's an educated man, he's a very discerning man, very bright, and um, so he was a Pharisee, I mean, he, he knew his own culture and the word, but wasn't he also, he was a Roman citizen, right. so he had status, That's right. wasn't he also perhaps an attorney? He was he dealing was with the, well, the law. He was a Pharisee, yeah. so... Some people would use that as like a law. Could have been I think he was like a super right. high level yeah. attorney. Right. 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 That's your clever. He was sure like he was top of the So as you say, I mean, receiving this information, his mind was kind of not a fisherman's mind. His mind was ready for information. Right. Right. But this, right. this is all good before we get started. Because now we all have a background. That's why I wanted you to ask the questions. That's good. I figured that you guys organically ask the questions. You mentioned this a couple times in terms of his, uh, like, why would the why would the Roman Church think he was legitimate? Yeah. Right. So he was the one that found it. He was the one that went out and actually went to to Rome. And that's the first time he's been to Rome. It, no, he's he sent out. He he trained people. He's the one that that oh, went into those places, right? Yeah, right? yeah. The form of church. Yeah. Okay, so that's another reason. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they, they that's that's, that's why. He, yeah, they, go ahead. They yeah, go ahead. Receive him. Go ahead. I just say, I was asking, so he kind of knew of him before they even met him, kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They were scared of him, but that's the interesting thing. All of his life. He killed a bunch of people. Yeah. But all of his life, he was been, he had been prepared as a brilliant person who could 
and he didn't believe, but, the, but by the time his brilliance was to be used, Christ introduced himself. Mm -hmm. So all of those things that went on beforehand were all, what I'm trying to say is, for all of us, if we think any part of our lives has not been for where we are right this instant in Christ, it's, it's easier than to, to accept the things that we've done, the sin that we've done, the things we've thought and the things that we've been trained and changed by Christ, there's nothing in our lives that is not important to the flow of Christ's message. It all works together. It all yeah. works together. Yeah. And, it, and it's very important. Well, he was pretty zealous before he was a believer. Yeah. And he just transferred he very that, zealous. He was uh, that into being a believer like, right. with a different level of authority and calling. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's fascinating, though. That, yeah, I, I think a lot about this, the sin in my life, and I and I see how it all ties in. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Did we answer your question? Yeah. Okay. So others who haven't talked, um, what things have you seen in here, questions? There's Perhaps a lot in this. There's a lot in this. We could spend probably a month and just this. One opening, which we're not going to, but we need to know the question. Yeah, so I bet we are. Just <laughs> scaring me. So I'm, I'm thinking, um, what are the what are the sermons in this? Because uh, there's a lot of information. That's a good way to think of it. What you know, like what is not a sermon is you know, who I am, and I wanted to go to Rome, and I was not able, but um, I'd like to strengthen you, and no, no, no. But I, I just, you know, I'm open to anybody else finding more. I, I've, I found three little sermons. And one of them is, like the first verse, um, Paul's sermon of Jesus Christ, called in his possible and set apart for the gospel of God, which, here's the sermon, was promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So he's telling the Romans, Jesus was promised through the pro our prophets. You know, do you get that, Romans? Mm -hmm. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who, and then he gives them some background, Jesus is a descendant of David. So if you are a semi-Christian Jew in Rome, you're, you're getting some very basic theology here. Uh -huh. That you may, it, well, Jesus, you're saying Jesus is, you know, a descendant of David and, uh, and a son of God? No, so that's the first sermon. The okay. next one's verse 5. Through him we have received grace and apostleship. For what purpose? To bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. So we in this room, we've received grace and apostleship. For what purpose? <coughs> to bring about the obedience of faith. Okay, and then at the very end, verse uh -huh. uh, 16, the third mini-sermon. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel because, and here's... The boom. It is the power of God. This gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. When you read that initially, <coughs> well, let me finish. Oh, for in verse seventeen, for in the righteousness, 
for in it, and it means the gospel, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And we all know that Paul is the apostle of faith. And so he's setting out his theme, his themes at the outset. Yeah. You were saying, Gil? Oh, it doesn't matter. But when you initially read that, I felt that power. Which verse? It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. That that is unbelievably. It seems common, but it's unbelievably powerful statement. And the belief is the big word. What's the verses? From faith to faith. Everyone who believes. Verses. Uh, I I keep going going back to what Gil was saying. Just this this notion of. our, the, the correlation between our, our sins and our calling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from killing Christians to becoming this leading evangelist and how we should really be looking at past sin in our life in terms of ministry, you know, that's, that's really, that's important. Yeah. That's good. yeah that's, you said it much more clearly than I did. That's what I was <laughs> To accept the fact that once yeah, you're forgiven, you're yeah, forgiven. There's, yeah. there's such yeah. purpose. Yeah. In that, not to hold on better to lead people to Jesus than this guy that was so diametrically opposed to this thing that he was killing these people. But he never brings it up, does he? No, no, he never does. So he doesn't dwell on it as his testimony. He just knows he's a new being in Christ. He does. No, in in Philippians he brings it up. He does once in Philippians. Yeah. Not his resume. <laughs> oh, no, he, he does make that. I yeah, think he does. Really I think that's a he critical does. component to his humility. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And his, his ability to do what he's doing and to be received by people. Chief among sinners. Yeah. I mean, you still hear, you still hear when, you know, you look at some of the famous preachers and some of the people who got influence within Christendom. It's because you listen to their life and they came from drugs or they came from you know, something that's really dramatic that God called them out of this lifestyle to this lifestyle. Like you, yeah, but my right? point is like they you. don't hold on to it. Like me. <laughs> they don't wrestle <laughs> they don't wrestle no, with their salvation. Like my point is oh, yeah. once they so become forgiven, they brother. accept the fact that they're a new being in Christ. Right, right. That that's not something they wrestle with on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dan, you were gonna Well I just thought it was interesting, kinda of follows what you're saying though, but uh, number seven, to uh, all to all who are in Rome, loved by God, called as saints. And I thought, how would I feel if that was the first time I ever read that? You know, if I'm a saint. Yeah. Oh, good. Because I accepted Christ and I'm forgiven forever. You know? Amen. Uh-huh. I mean, that's pretty cool. Amen. Right? Do you ever think of I yourself as a saint? No. <laughs> no, no, no. No, but man. we all are. Yeah. We're all That's right. called We're all little Christ. This is part of us today. We're little Christ. Yeah. yeah. Every one of us is is you're a believer. You have that. You're a saint. Amen. You are called to be a saint to someone who's yeah. called to be holy. Yeah. And that transition from sinner to saint, to saint is also about ministry and calling that has something to do yeah. with what was the sin, right? Like yeah. a lot of times, right? Yeah. yeah. That, that line stuck out with me too. I'm, yeah. I'm going back through John, and I'm and I'm I'm noting the number of times that Jesus says specifically 
the Father who sent me, the Father who calls. I, you know, the whole point, in, I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable in John. It, it's, it's so repetitive that you, it's almost easy to miss. The idea that no one comes to me except through the Father. And nobody that comes to me will be lost. And everyone that comes to me will receive eternal life. So, that whole concept right there, to all who are in Rome, loved by God, called as saints. You know if you're there, you are called by the Father, and as such, you are loved by God. That is like, peace be with you. Right? That's just... That's one thing for Romans, is for us to to go, how is God speaking to us about this? We are that. We are, and notice how Paul, you think he's not going to say that about us, because he starts out by saying, look, I'm called by God, right? But then he says, all of us are called. All of us are called to be saints. Do we operate like special. that in our daily lives, though, really? <laughs> right? Like, there's a level of authority that comes then right. with this notion of calling that we may or may not sort of, like, fully realize and operate with yeah. in our daily lives. But life. I think as we go along, that becomes clearer and clearer to us, and we're given a place to stand in which we are able to uh, transform things by what we believe. Do you know what I mean? I'm, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the, the power and might of the resu- of of Christ's indwelling in us. Well, he said that in, in uh, Acts too, right? When when I leave, I'm going to send the comforter, and you guys are going to be able to do more than I did. Yeah. I mean, that's mind blowing when you think about it, right? Yeah. I, I'm not there yet, are you? <laughs> but I mean, that's the screw tape letters. We're being tricked and lied to by you, right? Yes. Yeah. So we're not exactly. That's a good point. We're we're most of us don't think that we really are yeah. called, yeah. like you're saying, to be saints. Yeah. Like, oh, I do really have to live that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have to ask that our yeah. mind to be re- re- renewed every day. Yeah. yeah. Because there's so many things that derail. If we're not reading the Bible or hanging out with our Christian brothers 24 hours a day, we're going to fall. We're not optimized <clears throat> in know? the authority that so, we've been given to you know, have leadership over. Yeah. You walk out of here, you've, you've got spring in your step, you feel really good, you really feel close to God. You know, you get home, you know. You hope that, you know, you checked your ego and everything else at the door so you walk in humbly to your wife or your, your significant other, you know, and you got to get up the next morning and start your day all over again by saying, Lord, please forgive my sins. Help me renew my mind. Help me be a bright spot in someone else's life today. You're talking about this. I'm sorry to interrupt you. But you have to do that. I mean, I have to do that every single day. Because when you look at the Lord's Prayer, that's why I mean, I love you guys know that I love the Lord's Prayer <laughs> for a lot of reasons. But I love that right lately. The verse that just keeps like hitting me is daily bread. Daily bread. It means just for that day. God's going to give you enough just for that day, which means you better make sure you keep going back and saying, stay in that relationship. Stay in that right prayer. Yeah. Isn't that kind of what Romans is, is about sanctification, just learning how to be made holy? Because uh-huh. you, you get to the middle of Romans, and one of my favorite lines that Paul says, what a wretched man I am. Yeah. I have to, you know, it, that sticks in my head saying, 
my gosh, this man has written most of the New Testament. He saw Jesus face to face, and he's calling himself a wretched man? Man. Wow. Can I read a line that Gil just gave us? Uh I wrote it down. (laughs) (laughs) Bless you. This is Gil's. This is the gospel according to Gil? Yeah, he he just said this three minutes ago. We have the power to transform things by the strength of our belief. And I think if we stand in the Holy Spirit and are concentrating on the Holy Spirit, He transforms things through us, and it's we won't even know. We may never know what we've done. Yeah. Um, how about? Yeah. Well, just let me, a, before you go, let oh, me just, just a question. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. It's just a question. I just want to confirm. So, when you when you read uh, one one here, Paul. Paul, comma, a servant of Jesus Christ, yes. comma, called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. And Jason, where have you seen that? His son, <clears throat> Jesus Christ our Lord, who was so on and so forth. Now, the question there is as I read that, I read that as not being about Jesus, that being about Paul. Paul's describing himself and that called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. And then Jesus, which he <coughs> promised, Jesus promised, beforehand through his prophets. It's not what he, Jesus is not the he there. Which that's, that's he promised. Who is the he? That's God. It, well, okay. which... Yes, it's, technically it's, it's includes a, Jesus, obviously, but yes, yeah. he. I think so, it. I think he is referring precisely to there, Christ, well, you, promised he, beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Uh-huh. So, and yes, Jesus Christ is God, but he's specifically using that language of Eva because and he begins with Jesus Christ, right? Paul, a servant of Jesus right, Christ. Right. So, but he's speaking of himself, called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Uh, that's how I read well, it, so I might have my question. Yeah, so... Well, can I say something me, on that? Uh-huh. Well, yeah. I, can we let no. him answer real quick? I'm going to address just nailing what you're talking about. Um, just in that verse, at the beginning of verse 2, just for the purpose of understanding it clearly, scratch out which he... And then it reads... Paul, servant of Jesus Christ, called an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, promised beforehand through his prophets. The gospel was promised beforehand through his prophets. Right. Doesn't, doesn't Paul, though, he's like... No. He's the prophet with the winged feet in Isaiah. Like, I've heard... Yeah. Like, oh, that's that he's... This, and that's what he's referring to here. Like, Paul, which, which he promised beforehand. But Paul, like, the subject of this... <laughs> Clause is Paul, not God. Like Paul believes that he is the well, prophet. Well, Paul, it's beforehand. Well, yeah, right or not? Yeah. Well, okay. Let me back up for a second. To go. So, what we have here is we have. So when when people in that time, not much different than today, 
When people wrote letters, they opened the letters in specific ways. Okay, Paul follows that format. But, okay, that's what's important in reading this. Because this is how a letter would normally open. And Paul uses all the things you would expect from a letter. He, they open, a letter opens with saying who you are. So, the letter opens, Paul, a servant of, Jesus, of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Period. Okay? That's Paul saying who he is. Then, the next part of a letter is verse 7, where it says, To all who are in Rome, loved by God. So, the letter, who is the letter written to? So, it's Paul who's writing, author, Letter written to Rome, and then you have a greeting, and you see that what happens next. So that is a normal letter writing that everybody would expect them to know. This is a letter from Paul, it's to Rome, and he's going to give them a blessing, which is grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. That's how you normally would open the letter. So given that... You see that Paul is going to do something very different that he doesn't even do in his other letters. He doesn't really, he follows that format, but he wants to tell you <laughs> a lot more information in between. Okay? So, when you're going to what you're asking, Jason, Paul is describing himself all the way up to the end of God there. Right. Which is the reason why you have the dash, which is obviously not in Greek. That's just in English. Should set it apart, which is now we're going to talk about this gospel of God. Right. So what Paul does here is he doesn't <coughs> just open. He can't even. <laughs> it's like think about it. if we're talking to someone, he can't even. He can barely say, "Hey, I'm Greg," and he's already <laughs> in <laughs> preaching the gospel of Jesus. I mean, that's how much he is so passionate about Jesus that he can't even finish the opening of a letter before he's going to say, it's all about Jesus, which is what he's doing here, Jason. No, he's then... I, right, I get, I get that. My, saying, my, I was just the very first component of that. Yeah. I just want to confirm, this was the part, the, after the comma, called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. That was the question. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Can you so, can you make uh, a, a reach here, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and holy scriptures? Can can you make a reach and say that his ministry was preordained? Uh, sure. <laughs> so he's he's claiming that he's part. Well, he's not he's claiming he's oh. not the he's not the promised. No, no, he's not. But but through he's, he's part of of the of the God's will to God's be God's will, yeah. Absolutely. Through the prophets and the scriptures that were right. written before that I'm I'm part of this plan. Right. Right. So it's a preordination almost of him. It, yeah, okay. So question for you. Going back to what we're talking about there. Um, what was promised? So, I don't want you to think so much about Jesus specifically right now, but this gospel of God, what was the plan? 
What was, let me go back. What was the, sort of like the original plan? What was the original plan as to what was supposed to happen? Anybody know? How far would we go back to figure out that original plan? Which? Genesis? In the Old Testament. Okay. Going back to Genesis, and where would I, where would the original plan for God, where did God sort of initiate his plan that ultimately is what we are going to read about here, that comes in Jesus? Where does that go back to? Who does that go back to? Abraham. Abraham. Very, very good. Okay. So what we're seeing, what we're saying about what was prophesied and what it goes back to, this promise. The promise, if I'm a Jew, when I read the word promised, probably the first thing I think of with a promise is the original promise, which was given to Abraham. That he was selected by God, like Paul. You know, <laughs> Paul was selected by God. Goes back to Abraham. Abraham was given the promise to what? What was the promise of Abraham? Anybody know? Blessing with candy. Father of So what was it say, Tom? So what seeds of the nation will be right. So you got to remember, Abraham started it all. Well, God did in Abraham and said, you are going to become a nation. This is going to be really important to Romans. The plan was you're going to become a nation, Abraham, that is going to bless the whole world. Was Habakkuk um, a prophet? Yes. Because uh-huh. he, he refers to the <clears throat> prophet. Yes. Yeah. Which yeah. is what we have him quoted. It's question? almost like 17. nailing... Doubling down, <laughs> like not, he, to me, he solidifies it. Yeah, you know, yeah. By saying it. My question was, what was the original promise? Yeah, yeah. Because that original promise didn't quite happen as <laughs> we thought it was supposed to, which is why we get Jesus. But it's just going back to think when you hear the word promise, that's what the Jews think. They're going to go back to Abraham. Correct. He was their father. He's where the Jews started. And that's where they take everything back to. Okay. Um, anyway, so others. Anybody else as far as? Verse 11. Verse 11. Uh, where it says, for I, want to, uh, for I want very much to see you, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. Some indicates plural to me. Mm-hmm. Gift indicates singular. Yeah, and it most likely most people don't think of this spiritual gift mm-hmm. here. It's like you think of the spiritual gifts in um, in Corinthians. You know, I've got all these different <clears throat> gifts, and everybody's given to this gift or that gift. This is probably not referring to that right. type of thing, really. So, one thing to so realize is we, the Holy Spirit. It, okay, very mm-hmm. good. You just hit. You just answered my question. <laughs> you just okay. yeah. You just answered your own question. Spiritual in Paul is always like spirit. He's always referring to the Holy Spirit when he's talking spiritual. It's really the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Spirit. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's what he's referring Yep, to. and we're going to see that definitely out of Romans. I will say for me, I was thinking for all of us, verse 12 is a really good, like, why are we all here? <laughs> We all think about why did we come here on Tuesday night? Mutually encourage one another. Is to mutually encourage each other's faith. 
both years of mine. I love that. I mean, I think I'm thinking, I go, what's Tuesday Night Men's study for? That's sort of what you're just saying too, Glenn. You know, we have to just build each other's faith up. I and mean, calling. Probably, and calling. Very good. That's very good. Out of that. Yeah. In that regard, I think when we, when we get to a place where we are facing difficulties, I think it's important to think of each other. This is a unit that's, that's pretty uh, tight. And, and we all believe very strongly. And I think, when I think of you guys, I think of, uh, of strength and I, and I, draw from that when I'm facing something. We are one when we face our, 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 our challenge. I can pick up on that too, that I think like during the interim here that every one of us has been challenged by the world in one way or another. Mm -hmm. And yeah. what do you mean by interim? Between the last two weeks. Oh, okay. Uh -huh. That's gone by. And um, it's at being able to recognize the challenge and then having the background of the group here and it somehow draws some strength that you're a member of the group to recognize the challenge and then to meet the challenge mm -hmm. instead of be like the screw tape letters to be defeated by the challenge. Yeah. yeah. So it's that it's kind of a spiritual strength that you get from belonging. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and then in that regard, when we pray for ourselves when we're facing something, we should take into account that we should be praying for each other. Because yeah. we may face yeah. things similarly. <laughs> we'll all have sure. our turn in the barrel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll all have our turn. Right. <laughs> um, how about others who haven't said anything or things you're reading in here that you, questions um, in this whole section here this opening I have a question uh -huh. in verse 17 um, what does it mean is revealed from faith to faith <laughs> yeah really good question um, there's been that's one of those questions that no one really has come up with an answer to. <laughs> so what is he really trying to get at? Is he just trying to emphasize faith upon faith? Like you just, I mean, everything is about faith. Pistol, no, remember, faith, everyone, is the word? Pistis. Pistis. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Got to remember that from John, all right? Are you referring to where he says the obedience of faith? Yeah, well, obedience of faith, but also 17, where he says... Tom's referring to 17, for in it righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Some also think that possibly what Paul's getting across, and we're going to see this as we go into Romans more, we're going to talk about this whole idea of the word righteousness. Like, what does that mean? This has been a huge thing in Romans, is what does the word righteousness mean? And so some think also that it's really talking about both God's right from God's righteousness to our his righteousness by being a faithful God to us being faithful in following Him. That's another sense of what some people think. Or the level of faith that an individual carries with himself. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost basically yeah. 
it's like God has been faithful yeah. to us and his faithfulness, and now we respond with our faithfulness to God and how we live our life, through our calling, through or our how faithful we are. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A measure of faith. Right. What about... But, but faith <clears throat> to faith to faith. It's, it's all faith individual. To right. faith it's to all faith individual. To faith. Yeah. All right. of us. Yeah. Um, what about others? Anybody who hasn't said anything as far as things you're seeing? You mentioned <clears throat> mentioned earlier the history <clears throat> of Romans just in passing. Right. And I found that to be really interesting <clears throat> in my past, I don't know, 20 years of my life where I grew up thinking of Romans one way and, like, I don't think of it the same way at all anymore. <clears throat> and I, I was, I'm reading, too, this book called, uh, it's called Preaching Romans Four Ways. And it's amazing that I, um, how, how like, four different, it's like four little essays, but it's like how different people can, like, look at Romans and come out with, like, four different ways of thinking about this. Um, and I guess I'm just saying that, just, like, and then, and furthermore, one, one thing, like, it's interesting even, like, my micro perspective, like, 20 years of Romans, whatever, like, how Romans has changed for, like, 2,000 years, right? And, like, how the Reformers saw Romans and how, like, uh, Constantine and, and, um, uh, Augustine, like, started talking about Roman, like, it, it's just, the, the perspectives have, have uh, changed over the course of time. <clears throat> all that to say, I'm sure that in this group, we all hold different perspectives on what Romans is, like, when we read it, right? Uh -huh. Like, we all bring this background, and, like, probably, like, you know, part of you are, like, read the first first uh, part of Romans preaching this way, and the other approach to Romans this way, like, so we've got a whole bunch of different perspectives, uh -huh. and I, I just want to say I'm excited to listen to all of you, because you all have different backgrounds, about like what you all bring to the table from your own perspectives, um, I think that's how we're all going to learn. So nothing specific in here, but just like just pulling on that thread of like history of Romans. Like there's a lot of different perspective here, and there's not like this is the one way, and let's just do it this way. Sure, there are some things that are probably wrong, but like there's a lot of perspective that's like yeah. really helpful to pull out. On, on that note, it's kind of like answering my question. Um, it says the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So. How's, how do we know the righteousness of God? It's revealed by your faith, by your faith, by your faith. By your faith. It's faith to faith to faith. It's like it's just like what you're saying. We, we hear guys' testimonies in here. And what is that revealing? That's revealing the righteousness of God. That's what yeah. that's saying. That's good. No, that's really good. Yeah. Because you're seeing how God's righteousness is used and used at them. It's being revealed. It's like, yeah. it's not just a concept anymore. Right. Right. I think what Gil said too is as we age, as we go through life, our faith changes, our understanding changes of the word. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And um, just like to love your wife like Christ loved the church means something way different to me after being married 47 years, you know? Mm -hmm. And it did when I first got married. Would you please tell that to my ex-wife? <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's, yeah, that's there's, a, good, there's a, good a phrase that yeah. no skill is developed without discipline. And when you have skill, you have the ability to create something beautiful. So really, what it comes down to is bringing the world to chaos in our early life under discipline. And it's the discipline that keeps us on the path. And, and reading the Bible and sharing 
it strengthens our personal discipline to stay on the path. Yeah. If I could read a footnote uh-huh. here yeah. regarding that uh-huh. last sentence, faith by faith. It says here, you know, it talks about God's righteousness is the core of Paul's message. That's that's right. his core message throughout the, this whole. Mm-hmm. In the gospel, God reveals his righteousness by faith. In the course of this letter, Paul will explain how God is able to declare sinners to be righteous because of Jesus' work on the cross. From faith to faith emphasizes that the entire process of being declared righteous comes to us from start to finish by faith. And that's, 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 that's a good description for his faith to faith. He'll start to finish. Right. If, mm-hmm. if you read, the, the righteous will live by faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which so, which is a quote, by the way, from... So you guys know when you see bold in here? I, yeah. One thing I do like about the CSB. Yeah. When Old you Testament. see it in bold, you know it's a it's a quote of the Old Testament. Okay. Okay. You get to figure out where that's from. <laughs> you may know where that's from, by the way. Habakkuk. I think Tom said it. About Habakkuk 4-4. 2-4. 2-4. Yeah. But you could, re- you could, in this context, for, in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. The righteous will live by faith. So you can almost replace the word faith with life. You, if that lot live is life. And and the only way to be righteous is to be alive, and the, I would say that anything beyond that is dead. So what's interesting, going to what Jason just said, when we were in, you guys heard me, I think, say this at the dinner, when we, when the people who were, who were here at the dinner, um, one of the commentaries I'm reading in Romans is by Michael Gorman. It's a new, sort of a newer commentary on Romans. And I love, in fact, it was one of the reasons that helped me sort of go, yeah, I think we really felt like a go to Romans next. As he said, John, he, just, he put, he connected John and Romans. And he said, John is the gospel of life. And Romans is the epistle of life. And he saw that overlap, hmm. which I do. I think we're going to see a lot what, of what does that mean? between John. What does that mean? It, it means the gospel. Well, the gospel of John. Yeah. Okay. One of the major themes throughout the gospel of John is Jesus is the one who brings real life. Okay. We only can find true life, abundant life, in Christ. So that's what John is writing about, about Jesus during his life here on earth. Paul now is going to be talking about how is that life brought to us through the gospel now that Jesus is to me at the right hand of God. So they both really coordinate. How do we how do we experience that life today is going to be one of the big subjects we talk about in Romans. How do we make what we're reading not a bunch of head theology, but how are we, as you say in many ways, how do we live this out, that calling? Um, that's what we want to see with Romans. He gets there, right? Like, towards the end of Romans, it's way more practical as far as how you get yes. that out. But he, like, builds towards it. There's so much doctrine, like, layered in in the build-up towards, like, I just, like, it's the most comprehensive of his letters in many ways, right? Oh, Which yeah. makes it so interesting for a study. And I love what you were saying of, like, there's so many different ways to unpack it because it's so dense. 
that like with each doctrine, like I'm sure many guys will have receive and respond differently to the different like the, the amounts of layers that are embedded in this in this text. But I do love like when we're talking about like righteousness from faith to faith. He sort of as he progresses, like I just flipped ahead to Romans 14, and I love how he even says like, "Except the one whose faith is weak, without quarreling over disputable matters," which I think could be a really real thing when you get to Romans. Like you could dispute a lot of the things that we're going to discuss, and I think uh-huh. that's fun, and I think the doctrine is important, but also that even like when it gets to the practical parts later in the book, he also helps us along, and like how do we actually live out the faith that I'm talking about? Right, and. Um, it's exciting because yeah, there's just going to be there's going to be so much every week. Yeah. So, uh, but so, so two things. One, going back to what Tom was saying, just as verse 17, what we're all saying right now is, so it says, "For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith." That is his present tense. He's not about talking about something that happened in the past. He's talking about how that is continuing to happen today in our present. So this idea of this faith to faith that Tom brought up, this righteousness we will live by faith, all Paul is putting that into the present tense saying, this is something that is happening now. It was happening when Paul wrote this, it's happening now. It continues to happen. That God's righteousness is being revealed as we live faith by faith through it. Um, Can we interpret righteousness as promise or truth or how do we interpret that? Well, we're going to talk more about that as we go along. So I probably won't start all I will say that the word we have part of what Andrew said about the ways in which Romans has been interpreted. It's the same with Revelation, yeah. Yeah, well, a lot of with Romans, it's around this word righteousness. Okay. Because actually the word righteousness is... We've translated it as righteousness. Yeah. The word is a word group, which we'll see as we get more into it, which is core meaning is justice. Truth. Justice. Yes, yeah, so I mean so much it's justice. Okay. okay, the justice of God. To make things right. Righteousness is about having a right relationship with God to make things right. That's sort of the... <laughs> which is what our calling is. Yeah. yeah to make things go. right. Exactly. And God always Very says good. he's a God of... Justice. I'm a just God. In order to get there, though, again, the the John correlation, Uh right? It's it's, what is the work? It's belief. To believe in him who was sent. Question? Uh Um, He was writing to the Romans uh, knowing a lot about the Roman church already, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So. Knowing about their issues. Yeah, yeah, their issues. So, like we were saying at the very beginning, there must have been quite a bit of communication going on. Slow boats, but still, letters and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So he heard, oh, the Romans are thinking this. Oh, they have this doctrine. Or, so he's kind of bottled all that up. Now he's going to let it go. Exactly. But like Greg said, there was only 20 of them. <coughs> well, we don't know. Well, 21. They, they think <laughs> 22 of them. In one of the churches. Yeah. The churches were about it was the small. Size. They were a home church. Yeah. But there was more than one home church. Okay. Sure. But then Rome. Do you know how many churches? We don't. Don't, yeah, don't really know the number. Um, they just, you'll see in 16, he actually talks about all these different people. Um, and he actually, he names the church. And specifically, how many other churches were, we, we just, I, no one's really, I don't think, has any data to those. 
Uh, it sounds like they're just the Roman church. So yeah, like I know Roman we think church. like this church, but yeah. no, it's probably a home, main home church, and there's other home churches. But all the churches back then were home churches. They were like the size. <laughs> you know, we think like, oh my gosh, big groups. churches. Right. Is the church like that you named Sincrea? Is that it? Um, it says in 16. Uh, the church that meets, well, it says, greet, I'm greeting also. So, but to do so with Gentile churches, so there's plural. Okay. I'm also greeting specifically at this church that meets in their home. All right, so. Because um, he says, who is a servant of the church of Sincrea? Yeah. Phoebe. Phoebe, which we will talk more about her, too. Phoebe, by the way, is the one who Maybe delivered this here. letter. So Paul wrote wrote this in Rome, I mean Corinth. Phoebe is the one who actually delivered, and just think of the authority here. She delivered this letter to the Roman church, mm. which means she also had a, knew enough about what Paul was doing and writing and what he meant that she was the one that was getting all the questions. What does Paul mean by this? What does Paul mean by that? Because she was one given by Paul to actually give this message. To kind of like how Christ Roman. told Mary to go tell exactly. the disciples. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. Good. Is that unique? That what? She, a, a woman would have gotten <laughs> that. And I think that was very unique. <laughs> yeah. For, for that world, absolutely. In Greece? That's in Rome. All right. Before I switch subjects here, um, so, uh, who we were, I think, oh, yeah, we were teasing about lunch. Um, so what's one of the words that I always, we don't have too many theological words here that we have as a group, but what is one of the words I keep saying about how, how Scripture is structured? What's that word that I use about how it... Inclusios. Inclusios, very good, all right. So does anybody know what, so what is an inclusio? Just as a reminder, the okay. only thing you have to know about the Greek languages and Hebrew languages, just that one word. <laughs> what is an inclusio? Bookends. Bookends. Okay. okay. Which means that usually what happens is something is said here and it's said here. And that when that happens, it means that's going to be part of the subject of this whole letter. Okay. Or this whole section, whatever you are, whether it's a paragraph, whether it's a chapter, whether it's a whole book, you have these you have these things called inclusios. So what's the inclusio here? Anybody know in Romans one that we just read? What what is the inclusio that's going to go and be repeated at the very very end of Romans? Anybody know? Righteousness. I just want to say no. God is my witness. I'll let you guys vote. You, you sort of have a hint. You should go to the very end. Mm-hmm. Glory to God. Faith. No, no. <laughs> well, faith, you, you're close. <laughs> yeah, you're part, halfway. <laughs> Anybody see it? Faith among just living by faith. Mm-hmm. Look, it's right here at the end of Romans 16. The power of God and for salvation. Uh-huh. Therefore, I rejoice in me. But I obedience. Obedience of faith. faith. 
Very good. Put Tom and these two Toms. <laughs> we had the obedience. Where is that in the beginning? So at the very beginning, you have obedience of faith at verse 5, 1 5. And you have it repeated at the very end. Paul says, according to the command of the eternal God in advance, the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles. So right there you see that. When Paul does that. He's saying this obedience of faith is ultimately one of the main things I want to get across here. Is we live in that obedience of faith. Um, I, I gathered that in my mind it's the what you were saying, kind of the beginning of faith to the end of faith. Uh-huh. Because a lot of it is the testing of the genuineness of your faith yeah. all through your life. Faith to faith. Just greater faith. Oh, that's interesting. Increase your going, faith. Going, going. Yeah, that's good. Continue. Yeah. Great. To, the, to the praise, honor, and glory of God. Yeah. yeah. For all those reasons. Tom. Um, a minute ago, I asked Robert to Google... Uh, when was the Pantheon built? Um, before I go on, how many guys have been to Rome? Oh wow! <laughs> have have awesome. you? Have you? How many visited the Pantheon? How um, many roads are there to Rome? Pardon? How many roads are there? To Rome? All, all roads. All roads. All roads. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, I thought it was Rome. Have you found it? I just got uh, Sorry, Tom. I sort of yeah. Go so ahead. the Pantheon means. <laughs> pantheistic, all the gods. Um, oh. The Romans built it with niches, and in the niches around the round room there were all the gods that they worshipped. <coughs> so it was like, this is where it's at. You want to worship God if you're Roman, you go here, you can worship Jupiter, you can worship Pharos, you know. And just as an aside, it is an engineering marvel. Mm-hmm. Today's engineers can't figure out how they built it with this concrete that is a dome, the largest concrete dome in the world to date. To date. And they, they do figure out that they used um, pumice to make it lightweight because pumice is volcanic. You know, it's, it's still the largest nice. dome in the world. <clears throat> All the aqueducts still work after 2,000 years. So. And the bronze doors are original. Mm-hmm. They're still there. That's awesome. So just so he Googled it and it was built 25 to 27 B.C. So oh, it was wow. there. It was there for this letter. It was there for the Christians to go, whoa, you know, it's either or. Yeah. So home churches with a bunch of people huddled in a little, yeah. you know, like us. versus, you know. Yeah, like us right now. Yeah. It was there when this was written, but it was there when Paul actually visited Rome. This yeah. was written 55 years later. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So Paul probably went, went there. Yeah, well, wow, that's it, cool. That's, yeah, that's, it's that's like cool. when he went there. Yeah. I, I would like to hear um, Tom read the same passage from yeah, the King James one. We, oh, we're not going to do that right now. Okay. Okay. Because we're running out of time. So, last thing I want to cover. Um, so, just um, this is this is um one. So, if you take a look at Romans, so. One of the things we haven't talked about is, if you look at the Gospel of John that we just went through, the Gospel of John is a narrative, which means it's a story. It's about Jesus' ministry from pretty much the beginning of his ministry to the very end. Okay, So as we're reading through John, there's this 
sequence that goes on. You know, Nicodemus is at the beginning. We, <laughs> we finally see him again at the end. What we're dealing with with Romans is a completely different animal, okay? Because Romans is a letter, but they more call it like a letter essay because it's big. Most of the letters back then were very short. This is a what's called letter essay. It's very big for that type that day. And what Paul's doing is he is making, he is, as opposed to writing a narrative, he is instead creating these different arguments. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Chapter one. <laughs> it's jumping all over the place. You're taking your phone to read instead of Tom, right? No, I... Alright, so when you look at Romans, Romans are very different. It doesn't necessarily have fully a sequence. It's these arguments that Paul is making of these different things. And it's got all these different sections that make up these different arguments. So pretty much it's looked at, and, and I would give you, I'll give you the very fast, like, um, short like, if you look at Romans as a whole, how would you break it up? Most people will break it up by a series of chapters. So, like, chapters 1 through 3 is one section where he make, he's making an argument. 4 through 8 is another section where he's making an argument. 9 through 11 is another section. And then 12 through 15 is another. Okay? They're related, but they also are, in essence, these different arguments that are being made. One good way, I love how this one was put, is in Romans 1 through 3, Romans 1, if you want to know what Romans 1 is about, it's about Gentiles being damned. Okay? Romans 2 is about Jews being damned. Romans 3 is about everyone is damned. <laughs> okay? So you can see how Romans starts out really... On a positive note, all right? <laughs> then, Rome, then 4 through 8 is really talking about how the only way you're going to be undamned is through only one person, which is Christ. He's the only way you cannot be damned, okay? Paul will use the word ungodly, all right, as, as another word that he uses. All of us are ungodly. He starts with the Gentiles, then he talks about the Jews, then he sort of reiterates and says, everyone from Adam has been this way. So then he launches into 4 through 8, and he then is bringing up the message, the solution to all of us being damned is Jesus. He is the only way. All right. Then he goes off into this whole other subject, it seems like, which is chapters 9 through 11. 9 through 11 is all about the question, what about the Jews? Because here Paul is now going out to all these Gentiles, and the question that comes in, particularly when you have a mixture, is what's going to happen to all these Jews who don't believe in Christ? What's going to happen? To, what, what, what is going to happen to them? And Paul answers that question in 9 through 11. Then 12 through 15. 16 is really a close with all the thank you to a lot of different people. 12 through 15 is looked at like, okay, how do we live this out? How do we live out this whole life we've been talking about all the way from Romans 1 all the way to all the things we've learned about from Romans 1 all the way to the end of 11. How do we live that out? So that is the body of Romans in a real short way. Okay, 
the problem that people have had and struggled with has how do we go through Romans? All right. So when people study Romans, there's all these different ways that people come out with how do we go about Romans given the fact of how it's structured with all these different arguments. So some people will start at Romans 1 and they'll just read all the way through. Some people <laughs> have tried, in fact, there's a book called Reading Romans Backwards. Mm. Where they say, you know what? It takes so long to get to Romans 12. Andrew and I have talked about this. It takes so long to get to Romans 12 that, you know, let's start with the application. How are we supposed to live? And now let's go backwards and see why we're supposed to live that way. Sounds like your sermon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, some of us in my sermon. <laughs> so that's another way of happening. Then some people have even tried to do, like Andrew, the, the guy that I was listening to, the guy, he started at 12. Explain how he started at 16. Okay. To get the, the context, like who are who is the church in Rome? <clears throat> and then he went 12 to 15, then he went 9 to 11, then he went 1 to 8. But yeah. it's, kind of, it's kind of what you're describing. Yeah. But, the, but the, the only, like, the context is, like, just so interesting. Like, who are the Jews and the Gentiles? Like, what is this church? Like, you started to get into it. Like, yeah. It matters so much for the context. Otherwise, you read it. Like, uh, this, you can, his, the, and the other thing he says, like, by the time you get to eight, you're like, okay, I'm done. And you're like, oh, shoot. Right. Like, I got seven chapters ago, <clears throat> and then you get, like, really bored. Like, nine starts to get really weird if you don't know what's going on. Yeah, very good. Good. Put good. So, one of the... Um, so, it almost is like it reminds me, how many of you, like if someone was a new believer today, let's say you met someone on the street, and you said to them, and they came to Christ, right then, you just met them on the street, came to Christ, and they would say, like, I want to know, I, wa- I want to know, you know, what I should read, I want to know more about this Jesus, where would you tell them to start? John. John. You tell them to start John. 100%. How many of you would tell them to go back to Genesis and start reading Genesis? <laughs> okay. We have two people that would. Okay. Have any of you read the Bible in a whole year? <clears throat> how many of you how many have done that here? How many have read through the So we did that at Little Church a year and a half ago. And it's very interesting because when you start in Genesis and you start going, it is you start in January. It's not until October that you hit the New Testament. And so you end up just getting this almost fatigue as you're reading and reading through. Okay. So part of what I've been struggling with is how should we go through Romans? Hmm. All right. And I've spent actually quite a bit of our time, quite a bit of time trying to look at the different ways of how should we go through Romans. Um, Taking into account sort of all these different things. Um, also taking into account what we just did as we read through the Gospel of John. Because if you look at the Gospel of John, with the Gospel of John, if you remember, John had a prologue at the very beginning. Remember how the prologue was sort of set off from everything else? But if you remember, the prologue, it was his heart in which everything he talked about as he opened up this Gospel and told this narrative, we could all keep going back to the prologue. So, as I thought and sort of struggled with how do we want to go through Romans, I we're going to do something different. We're going to go through it in a different way. And the way we're going to do it is a little bit based around when you think of John and his prologue. So in Romans, all right, 
part of the problem is all these different arguments are being made, but it's very difficult to figure out how are all these linked together. So we can be starting to read all this stuff and go, what is going on here? All right. So with a lot of the different stuff I've done, reading and studying and, and looking at that, um, here's what we're going to do. And I would give you the I'll tell you a little bit about the argument behind this. So there is a chapter, a single chapter in Romans, that really is the focal point of everything that happens within Romans. What it allows when you look at that one chapter is as opposed to starting at <coughs> one and waiting until you get to twelve before you have application, it starts immediately with this is where we are today as Christians. So if you remember, when we were reading through the Gospel of John, remember how we kept going back and forth saying to the apostles, they didn't know the resurrection, they didn't know about the resurrection, they didn't know about the resurrection, so they didn't understand it, did they? Until Jesus was resurrected. That's a little bit of what happens in Romans. Until you hit a certain chapter, everything doesn't come together to say, wow, what does all this mean? We're going to start at that chapter. We're going to start at the chapter that is the center of Romans, where everything comes out of. And then we're going to start at that chapter, and we're going to start expanding from there to look at all these other arguments that happen. Because this chapter is the literal heart and crux of Romans. Well, what chapter is that? Eight. <laughs> <laughs> all right? So... Right? It is Romans 8. Yeah. All right? Therefore. Therefore, it starts, and just think about how it starts. Therefore, there is no condemnation. Just that one statement right there is a summary of everything he's talked about in 1 through 7. All right? But here's what my plan is right now. Is we're going to start in Romans 8 starting next week. And, you're, and hopefully... This is going to be an experiment. We're going to see, as we start going through Romans 8, all the language and everything we're learning of Romans 8 is going to help us immensely to start living it right away. But also, as we start going back into the other chapters of Romans, it's going to make all those other chapters make a lot of sense as we start going back and looking at it. Here's my, my plan right now. is to start in Romans 8. And then what I would like to do is go... Romans 9 through 11. And I'm going to tell you why 9 through 11. Because we are living in 9 through 11 today. And I, I mostly don't get, you know, like, we're reading scripture and we got all the world events going on. One of the things that I consistently hear in this whole Israel situation that's going on in the world right now, which is so the hotbed of everything, is almost... Most of the people out here talking about it, and I will say Christians, so they don't bring up what the Bible says about who is Israel. What is all the stuff that's happening? This is what Paul addresses in Romans 9 through 11. And in fact, the church as a whole at one point actually tried to pretend that 9th church, I'm talking about the global Christian church, years ago, many years, centuries ago, they tried to even take Romans 9 and 11 out because they, were, they did not want to deal with the issue about the Jews. This issue is so central. The reason why Paul wrote Romans is because 
this Jew-Gentile friction, which you and we are all seeing lived out right now. So I thought it would be very instructive for us to be able to go back and say, what does the Bible really say about Jews? And what is our connection with Jews? What does this mean about Israel? And what is Israel? Is it Israel a nation? Is it a people? Who is Israel? What does the Bible say about that? Paul addresses all that in 9 through 11. Most of the time when you hear people talk about um, the whole situation, they go back to the Old Testament. And that's it. And they keep forgetting that we're given <laughs> a lot of the answers to that in Romans 9 through 11. So my hope is we're going to do something contemporary here too. Is we're going to go through 8. Because it's important to see what 8 is saying about 9 through 11. When we hit 9 through 11. <coughs> then go and hit 9 through 11. And then from there we'll sort of figure out where we're going to go in Romans. Alright? Yeah. Okay, so that's that's the plan. Good night, Father. Thank you for this group and the camaraderie that it brings. The knowledge that it imparts. Thank you to Greg for spending the time to organize it and present it. We're out of the world, Lord, and be an apostle. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Amen.